Hey, you're listening to Recess. Today on the show, we have Cheryl and Wilson with us. They're the founders of Mute, the store in Malaysia where you have to bring your own containers and bags to buy your soaps, snacks, and skincare. I'm Sulin. And I'm Castle. Let's go. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, Wilson. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, hey. Sulin. Hi. Hi Thanks for having us. Really happy to jump right into this. So, fun fact, I'm from Penang. 10 years ago, we had a plastic bag charge where we basically have to pay for your plastic bags. And then in 2019, we took that a step further. And on Mondays, you can't even get plastic bags, even if you try to pay for them. So generally, out of Penang, just Malaysia in general, what do you think about the average Malaysian lifestyle and its ecological impact? Whoa, okay. Um, Yeah, I think Malaysians or humans in general are leading a, I would say there's a lot of waste in our lives. Um, A lot of it we see, some of it we don't. Um, We're leaving behind a very, um, very bad ecological footprint, really. Um, It's very unfortunate, but... um, I think a lot of us don't really think much about it because that's kind of what we're used to. Um, we live our lives every day. We do the things that, that we need to. We go to work, we get stressed. So we really don't think about, you know, the finer details that actually leave a long-term um, impact on, on the earth. Uh, I recently read an article, um, SW Corp Solid Waste uh, Corporation Management in Malaysia, which has recently taken over solid waste in, in Malaysia, um, they have released the figures to say that there's amounting to seven Olympic-sized uh, swimming pool of food waste that is thrown every day, which means it all ends up in the landfills. And that's really scary to think, you know. I mean, like sometimes we don't finish our food, what do we do with it? It's just a little bit that we're like, okay, like, let's set it aside and it's okay. You know, someone will dispose of it. But accumulatively, we have so many people in Malaysia doing that. So it all adds up. And that's a really scary thought because that's only food waste, you know. Um, it's really painful to read uh, as well. And then you combine them with the, the, the packaging waste. And, you know, sometimes we leave our car engines on and that that itself also adds up to the whole, you know, the pollution and the air that, that we're... So there, there's a lot of waste, um, but it's not all doom and gloom. I think there's a lot that, you know, we can work on. There's a lot of awareness that needs to happen. Education is already very good. Um, I think we're being more woke. Woke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to be English and correct up woke. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, we're being more conscious now, you know, and it's great that the government's, you know, um, ramping up and doing a lot of stuff. Like you said, Penang start, started it all off. Um, I think in Kang Valley, it's still 20 cents per plastic bag. And sometimes when I, I, I'm at the cashier, people still, it's like, oh, it's just 20 cents. You know, just give me, give me. I need to throw my rubbish anyway, you know. And I'm like, oh, but that's all going to the landfills. I know your plastic mm. are going to the landfills, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's, it's good. We're doing something. We're going somewhere. Um, better late than never. I think things are looking up. We're seeing a lot more uh, new customer faces in, in the store, um, which means people are trying. 
people are really trying and I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I think um, especially when it comes to Malaysia, uh, you have to also look at the, the economic and social factors of it. Uh, in a lot of uh, European countries, uh, US, um, there, I, there are a lot of comparisons on who's doing better and so on, but it's not so much of that. Um, it's, it's a lot to do with the education and the awareness. And in terms of that, uh, where we are in Malaysia, we're still, we're still very much in the education phase, but um, there's still a lot of areas for improvement in um, very infrastructure uh, type of uh, 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 matters such as um, how does how does the waste actually uh, get disposed of? How the landfills uh, can be can be substituted for something uh, something more uh, sustainable and so on. And in terms of the consumer wise, we're still very much thinking of okay, what's the cheapest um, price that I can get uh, my my veggies at, or what's the easiest way I can get it, or uh, you know. Uh, what 15 ringgit is so expensive. I can go get my tapang for, you know, five ringgit or six ringgit. But you don't really think about the packaging and all because it's it's not top of mind. It, it doesn't become a priority. Instead, um, our lifestyle is such that um, people are prioritizing convenience, uh, which is natural all over the world. But more so in Asia, it's, it's a very economic um, uh, thought process. So, a lot of people, especially those who are not doing economically well, especially uh, during this uh, COVID times, um, that economic factor still plays at the top of their head rather than anything else. So there's still a lot of ways to go, but definitely we see ever since we started until now, there's a growing community with uh, a growing community who is uh, uh, interested in doing better. And right now, we are definitely living in a world and a season of convenience. What are some of the challenges that you guys have faced when you introduce this concept to a people where they have to bring their own containers and jars to buy their basic necessities at uh, Newt? In terms of convenience, it's definitely a, uh, a change of habits um, because we've been so uh, used to going into the supermarket Pop in, look at the shelves, uh, see something you like, just grab it off the shelf and uh, you're done, right? Um, so that is the shopping uh, habits that, that have been uh, inculcate, inculcated into us. But at Nude, for example, when you want to do shopping, it's what we call slow shopping. So uh, before COVID happened, um, you could walk into our shop, you could browse, uh, you could take your time to fill in your jars, your, your containers and so on with food. And typically a shopping trip, um, if you want to rush it, you could, if you're, you're very familiar with the process. But typically a shopping process in our store would probably last about half an hour to an hour. Not because it has to, but because a lot of customers, when they come in, they discover, oh, okay, this this product is interesting. Let me, let me ask about it more. Or let's see... A, let me think about how much I need at home. So it becomes a very conscious effort when you are shopping. Um, so hence, we call it slow moving. So that is a habit change, definitely. Um, the first one or two tries when you do shop and you, it may feel inconvenient. But as long as you're excited about the process, as long as you understand the reasoning behind it, after one or two tries, it, it just come, uh, becomes a new habit to form. 
Yeah, just just to add on, I mean, when when we first opened, it was quite it was it was quite a foreign concept. Like firstly, bringing your own containers, and then we're like, okay, the weighing scales are there. You just have a look. This is how you do it, you know. And people were really getting into it um, because they can touch, they can see, you know, they can pop it open and like, oh, you know, wow, this this is really great. Might be something that I could work with. What do you use this for, you know? So it's the whole experience of um, uh, zero waste where, like Wilson was saying, it's conscious, it's slow. You get to appreciate this, the smells and the textures of the food. And because we're always around to answer questions, so it then becomes a conversation, you know, about recipes, how to use it, what to use it, you know, and then we'll get different um, customers uh, at different levels or different phases from different walks of lives who, who have different sets of objectives, whether they want to cut, their, cut down their waste or whether they want to be more mindful in their journey or whether they're having um, issues with, oh, I don't know how to compost. I live in an apartment. Can I actually compost if I live in an apartment, you know? So those kind of nice conversations happen. And it's very holistic, all-rounded, where no single customer is exactly the same. Um, yeah, so the consciousness is, is a really important thing because then you begin to like slow down and you're in this space where initially could be quite intimidating because zero waste is quite new and people think that there are all kinds of expectations like, oh, I cannot use plastic. Oh, I cannot bring plastic. That that really isn't it, you know. Um, like a friend of mine says, it's not what you use, it's how you use it. You know, so you can you can reuse plastic over and over again. So again, the conscious, consciousness comes in where you take care of a certain item. It lasts a long time, you know. Then you can continue to reuse it over and over again. So the mindfulness and the consciousness, you know, kind of leads to a very nice little zen feeling in this crazy world that we live in. <laughs> so speaking of your misconceptions, then, as you mentioned, you know, people have this idea of certain things cannot be done a certain way. There is this idea that eco-friendly products are more expensive or they're more costly. What do you have to say about that? Did I chime in the economic part? <laughs> <laughs> I think to a certain degree, um, when, when you say environmentally friendly or eco-friendly, because it's like um, either natural or organic, the misconception is there. Um, when you say organic, you know organic is expensive. I think um, it's like what Wilson four times more expensive than the natural products that we three have. Times, yeah. yeah, three four times. I mean, it's 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 warranted because you know there are a lot of things like you know they don't use fertilizer. The land and soil has to be prepared and cultivated for two years before they can actually go organic. And and there are a lot of things that actually go in it. Um, so I think that misperception um is there. Um, in nude. We do have organic items. A lot of it are natural. Um, our direction was to bust the myth that zero waste shopping is expensive. Because really it isn't. You just come in with your containers and you weigh and you refill, right? So we wanted to inculcate that habit first and then, you know, kind of slowly, slowly work our way through it. And, and it's great because it is slowly changing the mindset and the behaviors of customers. And that's exactly what we want. Because there are certain things that you can't find in nude, for example, and we will suggest to them where to go and get them, you know, just bring your container, you know, and recently in supermarkets and hypermarkets, they're also moving to the um, way concept 
where you, I mean, you can bring your own containers if you want, but they do provide the spools of plastic at the side. So, you know, customers who didn't bring their containers or are not very aware of it, they'll just take the plastic because people give, I think, lah. <laughs> you know, that kind of mentality. Um, so yeah, it's it's nice to see that the zero waste community in Malaysia is growing and they're sharing a lot of tips online, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, and there are a lot of advocates out there who are, you know, taking it upon themselves to share their stories, which is fabulous. You know, everything should be shared. Yeah, and in terms of sharing, um, when we started this out, um, I, I had no idea about uh, zero waste. Uh, Cheryl had much more uh, better understanding of what the zero waste and more not so much of zero waste but uh, more on sustainable practices um, in, in our lifestyles. Uh, so actually how we got around to um, starting zero uh, the, the store was you know we hung out as friends and then uh, one day uh, we were drinking at a table and then you know I was using the stock straw and then Cheryl would say okay you know why you shouldn't use the straw and we're like what <laughs> you know what's wrong with the straw you know? mm. Yeah, so it became an education process for us, and um, one of the very first things I brought up was I don't really want to shop in a place where I walk in and things are three or four times the price that I'm usually uh, paying. To, right? So, so that's the that's the myth part. But as Cheryl said, a lot of the organic stores, the prices are warranted in a sense where uh, the to make a, to make an organic product, for example, costs a lot more. Yeah, but when it comes to uh, zero waste, uh, how we set up our store is it, it wasn't profit first. You know, our objective wasn't profit first. Our objective was really to break down that that, that myth that you just mentioned, um, and make sure that when people come in, they look at the prices. It would be very similar to what you find in say a, a you know a big a big chain hypermarket, for example. Yeah, we always make sure to uh, uh, make a price comparison. So we don't go like, oh, okay, a, a supplier comes in, this is their cost price, and we tag on the percentage, which is what most businesses do. Instead, what we do is we go and survey the market. We see what prices people are already paying. Uh, and we base that off our cost, and we see whether it is accessible or not for the consumer. Because at the end of the day, the, the real objective at uh, Nude is really to get people on board, not to get frightened away the, by the prices, not to go price comparison. And so we do that for you. Yeah, Not everything is going to cost the same, of course, uh, but that is largely uh, because of economies of scale. Uh, so for example, um, the bamboo toothbrush. Yeah. Uh, you could get a toothbrush for say three ringgit in in a pharmacy. Yeah, a bamboo toothbrush, uh, a, a decent one probably costs you about uh, five ringgit or seven ringgit and so on. Yeah, the reason uh, of that is really due to economies of scale. The entire global chain, uh, in terms of production, is not set up for for sustainable uh, products. They have gotten into investing in their machinery and production for things that are cheaper. You know, a plastic toothbrush might cost like 10 cents or 20 cents to produce. Yeah. So they've geared all their processes towards making that cheap plastic toothbrush. So that gets produced in the billions of uh, every year. Whereas the bamboo toothbrush would, uh, would require a different set of processes, a different set of machinery and so on. And instead of billions, you probably make millions. So in, uh, you couldn't make a bamboo toothbrush uh, uh, cost 10 cents or 20 cents uh, to, to make. 
it will cost significantly significantly more. So hence that cost uh, reflects in what uh, what you see in the store. So certain things are a bit more expensive, but we always try to uh, cut down those prices, even if it means um, sacrificing some profit margins for that. So I was looking at your prices just to, to compare whether or not they would be cheaper or more expensive. And like you mentioned, some things are cheaper, some things are more expensive. Like for example, the liquid detergent was about five ringgit per kilo. Name brands are about 10 ringgit per kilo. So in some cases it is cheaper. But then the question becomes quantity over quality. Is it true that eco-friendly products are less effective because you know you don't have your harsh cleaners? Are you actually that good at removing stains or killing bacteria? Uh, I'll, I'll prelude this. Uh, I, I think Cheryl should answer this, but I'll prelude this by saying we use pretty much all the products in the store ourselves. Um, and it's a testament to uh, whether if it's actually practical in our daily lives. So Cheryl uses a lot as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I... I don't know. I really think there are a lot of, there's a wide range of variety of products, cleaning products out there. You know, um, some are, some are natural and then some people think it's not effective. Some people use chemicals and they're like, oh, it's harsh, but it really works and I really need it. So I really think um, the wide range out there, it's like, it's like buying a car, right? The whole objective is to get from point A to point B and then you buy a nicer car, it costs more. You buy a, you know, slightly cheaper car, but the objective is still there. Um, I believe in using natural products. It works fine for me. Uh, something as simple as baking soda is so effective. Uh, vinegar is so effective. I think just kind of scaling back and going back to how things used to be 40, 50 years ago and just kind of, you know, simplifying things instead of, you know, overcomplicating life, really. Um, if you ask me the kind of products that we carry in store, again, you know, like Wilson was saying, we actually do a lot of sampling and a lot of testing, you know, to make sure that the efficacy is good and it works because we're, we're customers as well. We're consumers as well. Uh, we need to understand the product, what goes in it, the ingredients and why it is as effective as say a chemical one, right? Uh, without the, I would say sin that comes along with it because everything that we use washes into the waterways and it changes the balance of the ecosystem in the water. A lot of, a lot of us don't realize that, you know, something as simple as shampoo, for example, um, it contains an SLS and SLES, um, a variety of names come along with it, but it creates the foam in our shampoo that we're so used to when we wash our hair without the foam, it feels like it's not clean. So it's a psychological thing, right? And all of us go through that. But it does contain this chemical called acellus, which washes into the waterways and it just changes the balance um, and it pollutes the, it, it pollutes the water essentially. And can you imagine the amount of people using shampoo all around the world? What kind of impact that would actually cause? Um, so yeah, I use the products at the shop. It's great. I feel clean. My house is clean. <laughs> Everything's good. <laughs> it doesn't have to be so complicated. Just simplify things. Some of your products uh, need to be stored in dark bottles to prevent light exposure because they are quote-unquote biodegradable. What is a biodegradable liquid? Mm, okay, I think Wilson can take this one. Okay, uh, I, I, 
I think uh, in terms of uh, having products stored in uh, dark bottles, it's not so much of the biodegradability. Um, uh, what we do recommend for some of our products, uh, such as Grams, which is a local uh, brand that produces fully natural, 100% natural, including um, the preservatives, uh, fully natural household products or uh, pest repellents, yeah, uh, like your mosquito repellents, your... Uh, your chicha repellent, that's very popular in the store as well. Yeah. Um, so these are all fully natural products and because they don't have any preservatives and uh, a lot of uh, uh, things like essential oils and plant extracts are, 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 are formulated inside the uh, solution, uh, they are sensitive to uh, UV or, or light. Yeah. Uh, those need to be stored in dark bottles. Um, to keep the shelf life as long as possible. But when it comes to biodegradability, it's not so much on the bottle. I, I think, uh, uh, I think probably uh, the the uh, for that side, there's no issue at all. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, I am known as a COVID girl on this show. So I have to ask the COVID related questions. Since 2020, we have had a very significant lifestyle change. You know, we've stopped traveling so much. For example, um, there's no air travel. No one's driving to work. Everyone's working from home. But on the other hand, you kind of have an increased frequency in things like takeaways. So how do you think COVID has impacted our environmental waste production or environmental output in general? Huge, yeah. huge, huge impact. We'd, we'd be lying if, uh, anyone would be lying if they said that COVID has not been uh, a huge impact in terms of uh, sustainable practices. Um, even even in my life, uh, uh, trash output has definitely increased, right? But again, it comes down to the situation you're in, um, the, the kind of uh, environment you're in as well. Zero waste is not about doing it perfectly. Um, it's really about doing what you can to reduce as much uh, uh, unsustainable uh, trash, uh, unsustainable practices, and so on. So the same the same concept still applies. Cook more at home, you know. A little bit more effort, which is which is which is common with, within the whole zero waste uh, uh, conversation. You know, you come and shop with us. A little bit more effort, yeah. But the output is you you have less trash uh, and you contribute as a collective society to uh, to um, a better environment. Things like that will help along the way. Yeah. 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 I think when when COVID first hit, it was wow. Um, I, I, I there was a lot of mixed feelings for me. Um, most of it was you know, wow, everything's stopping. It's like the world needed to slow down. Um, and it was a forced slowdown from, you know, Mother Nature was telling us something and it was time to slow down and we were forced to slow down. And suddenly you see animals coming out, wild animals walking the streets because there were no humans on the roads. There were no trucks, there were no cars. Suddenly like green is flourishing, you know, and, and all that, which is fabulous. But then on the other hand, there were a lot of people suffering as well. So just like Wilson said, it really depends on your environment and background. Um, did Personally, did our trash input increase? Yes, um, by a little bit. But we were still going out. It was a, it was a mental thing for us, okay? We had to make sure we had our masks, our sanitizers, we'll bring our containers and we'll try our luck. You know, and most of the vendors and um, and people that we used to buy from, 
they're they know we're regulars and they know that we'll come with our containers and you know we don't want you know disposables and everything so they're used to us and that's that's the good thing about going to the same place a lot of the time because they recognize you and they know your habits and that's great for us and although our trash output did increase a little bit it wasn't very very significant and Wilson was right we did cook um, a lot more um, healthier food like you know vegetables and stuff like that because there was um, we'll just go to the, the pasa and we'll just buy one shot we'll make sure we store it properly in the fridge so that it lasts longer and we don't have to go out so frequently you know so I think it was all these small small things um, that actually helped us keep our trash although it did go up a little bit but it was not like significant how has the business been so far? I mean, post-COVID, during, we are still now in the midst of COVID. Um, how are is Newt adjusting to um, this pandemic, endemic now? Uh, I think we've, we've seen, so when COVID hit, we closed. We closed for a few months. Uh, what was it, three months, Wilson? Two, two months. Two, two months, we closed two months. Um, there was so much uncertainty, there was so much, you know, uh, so we decided to close to keep everyone safe, try to keep the numbers down. Um, but when we reopened, it was very, very, um, it was actually really, really good. You know, we see a lot of uh, people still coming in with their containers. They were waiting for us to open. I think also because during COVID, maybe their trash output also increased. So they're like, oh yeah, nude is open. That's fabulous. Um, but we did have very strict SOPs in store. Um, we sanitized, we made sure they do their temperature check. We make sure that they check in, um, we sanitize their hands and we sanitize their containers as well, which we thought was very, very important because they're bringing it from home. Right. Um, and the exposure and risk along the way, bringing it into, you know, our shop. So we, we started sanitizing the external, uh, containers, which they brought in, um, which again, took a little bit more time a little bit more effort, but it worked and it's it's great. Yeah, so we've seen a lot of new faces, a lot of new customers. I think um, you know there's a lot there's there's a lot of realization that happened over MCO, um, and they're doing something about it, which is great. You know, I think uh, I think taking action is as important as the awareness, um, and it's nice to see that people are being more conscious and aware. You know of what they're producing and how it's impacting everyone. Yeah, the, the flip side of having COVID is, um, you know, when you watch movies, you know, a disaster has to happen before something becomes good. Yeah. So um, uh, the flip side of COVID is really the, uh, the, if you're looking at the silver lining, is that you've produced so much trash, uh, not just consumers, but also businesses. They're, they're going to be shocked by the amount of, uh, rubbish that gets thrown out and that sparks uh, another uh, thought process which is you know how do I reduce this um, so in terms of post-COVID uh, or rather what's going on right now uh, during COVID um, customers are still very much trying to uh, improve um, on their sustainable lifestyles uh, as Cheryl said we, we're still seeing a lot of new faces yeah which was not something that we expected uh, our our customer base is very loyal. Uh, we're very thankful for that, and and that pulled us through the whole process, uh, the whole period. Um, but surprisingly, a lot of new faces have have come, and um, 
that is in spite of our store being transformed from the whole experience of what we said just now. You can come in and fill in your your products and so on. Uh, we have since um, uh, uh, since reopening, we have implemented a counter service instead. So we do the filling up for you. Uh, there's a barrier up front uh, where we take your orders, uh, sanitize your containers, but we do the filling up for you. So that experience has has kind of uh, changed a little bit for the time being until uh, better times come along. But the momentum hasn't slowed. Uh, our customers have still come and uh, shop with us and we're still seeing a lot of people who who are curious and, and implementing it uh, into their lessons. I love how you guys are there with the mission to like teach people and make sustainable lifestyle choices, which is something I love. I carry little collapsible Tupperwares and little collapsible cups with me. But what are your recommendations? Thank you. Uh, what, what do you recommend for someone who's starting out their waste reduction journey? What is the one product or the one thing that you're like, okay, this is the best thing for a complete novice to adopt in their life? Okay, Wilson, go first. Wilson knows my answer to this, so Wilson, go first. <laughs> I, I have a guess what the answer is. It, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a single product. Yeah. Uh, you have to so choose one. <laughs> uh, we, we do have products, but really, really, the first thing that you want, you want to think about when you're starting out is uh, just look around and see how much trash you're producing. Be, be conscious <laughs> of the whole effort. Yeah, that that is the very very first step. It, it's not about buying another thing at our store or yeah. you know, uh, uh, substituting is great. We have a lot of options. Uh, uh, Cheryl has the favorites. I have my favorites as well. But really, really, it's a mindset uh, that you need to implement first. In fact, we've turned away a lot of customers. It's, it's not very good business, <laughs> but we've turned a lot, a lot of. Uh, uh, it's not a very good business in the in the economic sense, but we've turned away a lot of customers in this uh, in the sense of. Uh, when they come uh, uh, asking about certain things on on what they can buy and stuff, we say, you know, why don't you go back home? You see whether you have an empty jar or something first. And, and then, then you uh, come back. Then you come back. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's not very smart business-wise, but again, it, it sticks back to the objective. Um, uh, look around. Uh, I think one of our, our favorite things to tell customers last time was do a trash audit. Um, See how much you don't throw out the trash, you know, uh, you know, uh, don't throw out the trash. Keep your trash for a week, or if you can stretch it for two weeks, see how much trash you actually are generating at home, and start going through your trash and seeing, okay, what makes the bulk of that? That's a bigger step than um, you know, substituting a product or, or stopping uh, use of a product and so on. But definitely, we have our favorites. Uh, I think my favorite would be. Uh, Actually, the household cleaners. Uh, uh, one example I always give in the store uh, when we talk to customers is uh, to, to, to visualize the amount of trash is if you were to buy laundry liquid, for example, if you use one bottle of laundry liquid at the, from the supermarket every month, at the end of the year, you have 12 bottles. If you reuse that bottle and refill at, at our store instead, that bottle could last two, three, four years. One bottle versus you know twelve bottles in a year. It, it's it's a huge difference. Yeah, huge, and that's just one item, right? Can you imagine all the other items? Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have any favorite products that you want to shout yes, out? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> okay, so as a lady, okay, 
you know, the the monthly visits that we get, a lot of well, it's uh, a lot of those disposables end up in the landfills, right? Um, the menstrual cup is has been amazing. Yeah, I I, I it's amazing. <laughs> I love the menstrual cup. Um, ever since I tried it. I mean, I was apprehensive in the beginning, like, oh, what's so weird, right? It's such a foreign thing. But you actually try it and you experience it. Um, I mean, I experienced it and it's amazing. I cannot even imagine my life without it. It's like there, one of my BFFs, like every month I look forward to spending time with her. (laughs) It's so weird, right? It's like just thinking of how much waste I've saved from going to the landfills and everything. It's amazing. Yeah. So um, we like to encourage uh, females. So we get very excited when girls come into the store and ask us about the, the menstrual cups because it's very different when you read about it online, when you watch videos or someone telling you about it. You know, it's different when you can come and feel it and touch it and have a conversation with someone who actually uses it, you know, so the lines, the lines have always been open between us and the customers. And whenever they have issues, you know, we talk about it and stuff like that. So yes, my number one from the shop is the menstrual cup. I, I definitely have to agree with you, Cheryl, because I am also a menstrual cup fan. And if yeah. I continue, this podcast is going to be an hour long. So I just have to like, I just have to end it here. I'm so sorry. But I love how like our question was recommend a product. And then you go like, no, let's recommend a lifestyle change. And I think yeah. that if, if for nothing that speaks to the genuinity and the truth of your message thank you guys so much for coming on the show it was very educational and very fun to have both of you have a great day thank you so much much for having us